Welcome to a new episode of Good Morning Camera, the first episode of 2023. Are we rusty? Maybe. You're just going to have to listen to find out. I'm your host, Gadget, and as always, with my co-host, Anthony. Anthony, how are you doing in this new year? And uh, like you said, when we hopped on this Teams call, I know everybody's just listening to the audio, but I look fantastic right now. And, you look uh, fabulous. Got... <laughs> you look fabulous. Exactly. It's 2023, New Year, switching up the set. Got mm. picked up a few new lights, you know, mm. You're mm. always trying to keep it fresh. So that's what's going on for 2023. Yeah, I decided to put pants on for 2023. So all of our <laughs> recordings, I we're, will now we're have pants improving. On. I've taken we're your improving. notes, man. I've taken your <laughs> notes. Enough of that. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about artificial intelligence and the art world, the photography world. We're going to talk about rumors of a new Canon camera that's supposed to be coming out this year. But first, we're going to start mm. with Panasonic. Because why would I want to spend the holidays with my family when I can test drive the hottest new camera from our friends at Panasonic? So, Anthony, tell us about this camera. Give us the little rundown of what this thing Mm -hmm. is. Yeah, so they just announced the Panasonic S5 Mark II. And you got some brief time with your hands on it, but I'll give you the, the, the kind of highlights. Essentially, this is the same camera as the S5. There's a few differences. Uh, some of the key features that I was pointing out and wanted to highlight was the shutter angle is an option versus the shutter speed, which I absolutely love. Video shooters absolutely love that. It's got dual SD card slots. It's got a dual native ISO at 6,400 and 4,000. A full HDMI port, which everybody loves. Can't the original S5 was a micro, and it was more geared to the video shooter. So of course, video shooters are gonna love the full size HDMI port. But the main feature, gadget, the main feature, phase detection autofocus. And I don't know if you saw that press release in Japan, but they got a two minute standing ovation for phase detection autofocus when they said that this is going to be in this S5 Mark II. So this is brand new. This is huge news for Panasonic. And I honestly think this might reset the pyramid a little bit in terms of like the top camera brands. I don't know. What What do you think? I, I, I'm, I'm so inclined to just make a couple of jokes. You know what I mean? It's, it's easier to make a couple of jokes once you've seen success, right? And here's the thing. The long and short of it is the S5 Mark II, the autofocus. It's fabulous. It's fantastic. It, it, mm-hmm. it, I had some brief time, a few weeks with this camera, right? And it was over the holidays. So, you know, I couldn't go and do the normal sort of big production thing. But I'm like, you know, a friend of mine was performing for a concert. So I'm like, let me go shoot this thing. Let me just take the risk. I like doing this. I love just putting new cameras that I just got in in real high stakes environments. <laughs> so I thought, why not? Let's just pop some memory cards in, set it up, take it there. And we shot this concert and the the human detection mode that, that they have where it goes between the eye, the face, the head, if you can't make a face out, and then the body is incredibly mm. impressive. And you know what? The fact that they're getting these standing ovations and all this kind of stuff, it's like passing the eighth grade your fifth time around. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess we should clap, maybe. I mean, phase detect autofocus. This has been a pain point for many, many, many years. I, you know what it is? I, I'm just happy that it's as good as it is. Like, you know, a lot of people are doing phase detect autofocus and not everyone's the same. When I was using this thing, 
again, I, I would love to shoot in more environments, but I couldn't tell the difference between this and like a premium camera on the market because we were there. The lighting was, you know, all over the place, right? When it's a concert, like sometimes you have great lighting and sometimes the contrast can shift and sometimes the, the lights might shift from one artist to another. You might have flickering, but this just stayed locked on. Like it just knew who the subject was and stayed on that. There was none of this weird shifting. And I go back and I look at the footage. I'm like, surely this must be like, like it can't be this good, right? And, and no, man, this, it was this. This camera is coming in on our website for twenty six ninety nine, and a number of the YouTubers out there are saying that this is probably the best value camera out there. Uh, I was watching Potato Jet, one of my favorite YouTubers. He loves to. He's a big time filmmaker. He said this is going to be potentially his new daily driver, and he said the autofocus might even be better than Canon at this point. I know he uses the C seventy to shoot most of his content, and he's switching. Back back and forth between like the R5 and such, but like, that's a crazy thought. I honestly think that in, these are some of the moves that Fujifilm was making back in the day when we started switching over to the Fujifilm X-T1, when people were kind of like not really getting it, but then when you actually use the camera, like the dynamic range is fantastic, the colors are fantastic. I played with the S1H. I was seriously thinking about buying the S1H when mm. that camera got released. Mm. Uh, the one thing that was holding me back was the autofocus, and here we are. But I did learn something. Uh, this is one of the things that I found out that really like make Panasonic different, and it's uh, it's actually the color gamma in their mm. cameras mm-hmm. is way better than just about any other manufacturer because what this actually does is it raises the black within the video clip so it almost looks more cinematic more it almost looks like there's more dynamic range than there actually is the specs say 14 stops at dynamic range but the color gamma is actually a lot better so potato jet did this fantastic comparison uh, where he was comparing the a7s3 at 12,800 ISO, which is the dual native ISO for Sony, and then set the S5 Mark II to 12,800 ISO as well. And the blacks on the Sony actually seemed a little bit darker, which made the Panasonic image look much nicer, much more cinematic. So these are the things that Panasonic has excelled at. And now that Panasonic has good autofocus, I bet you Sony... I bet you Fujifilm is probably looking at this announcement and going like, oh boy, <laughs> oh boy. You know, you know here's what I mean? the thing, I, 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 I hope they are. I don't think they are. And here's why, look, look, here's the thing. Look, 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 at the end of the day, when you're looking at market share and how many you know, cameras are on the market and you're looking at marketing budgets and all that kind of stuff, Panasonic still has a long way to go. Here's the thing mm. though, it's that journey is much easier when you have a phenomenal product. And and it's going to take some time. we got to see what they're going to do. But like Panasonic is essentially bringing all these things that they already did really well in terms of Mm -hmm. bringing these features that filmmakers will appreciate, bringing these features that colorists and editors are going to appreciate. Like V-Log is fantastic. Like they just do Mm -hmm. a really good job with setting you up for success with their color profile, right? So they've been doing all these things in the background really well. And meanwhile, YouTube has been giving them crap because autofocus, 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 and (laughs) and convincing people that that is like the one feature that should be above all else, which is not the case. Mm -hmm. However, in those years, since Panasonic has joined that L-Mount Alliance, 
and they've come here. They finally figured out, I feel like they finally figured out that one pain point that they have. So you kind of have this solution here that when you compare it to the Fujifilm, what they did last year, which was impressive, this thing has more professional video features that if your focus is predominantly video, you're gonna have something that's better. That sets you up for success, right? Especially with small things like, you know, shutter angle, right? And even the noise performance. And then, yeah, there is the elephant in the room in terms of full frame sensor versus an APS-C sensor. And then you look at this versus the Sony series and what they do, well, I mean, let's, ignoring just the features, I like how this camera feels. It feels like <laughs> yeah. a better tool. It feels more comfortable. It feels more resilient. You know, it just provides these things that make the user experience for photo and video much better. Now, the lens ecosystem, it's interesting. It's not as developed, but it's still pretty robust. And you have access to, you know, lenses from Sigma, from even Leica if you wanted to, right? So all in all, I'm, I'm excited for them. I'm excited mm -hmm. for Panasonic. And you know, behind the scenes, we would talk to our Panasonic friends and we would just be like, listen, if you figure this one autofocus thing out, like <laughs> the journey becomes much easier for you guys. And you know, it's easy to be excited, but they figured it out in a way where it's like out of the gates. It is phenomenal, dude. But you know, they didn't announce one camera. This is where it gets a little interesting. They, they kind of announced two. Yeah, so they announced an X version of this camera as well. And essentially, this version is going to have ProRes RAW and all intra codecs and then like streaming and tethering abilities as well. So, like, this they're giving you the X version for I think it's an extra, is it $300 or $400 or something like that? Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, and that's supposed to be released, I think, in uh, four or five months. So this yeah. one's coming down the line, but the S5 Mark II, it's available for pre-order right now. Yeah, it's interesting. So they said that you can do a paid upgrade to unlock the raw capability if you decide to get the S5. And I, here's the thing, it just comes back to what you produce. If you're an independent creator doing primarily you know, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram content, like that's kind of where you live, this S5 is plenty, right? But if you mm -hmm. are you know, a bit of a filmmaker or aspire to be a filmmaker and you want to take a little bit more seriously and you really have like that sort of production workflow after you capture footage, the S5X, uh, S5 Mark II X, S5 X, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, yeah, that's probably the one that's going to be most interesting. Again, raw video, internal ProRes capturing, all intra codec, the ability for like recording from USB to an SSD. So, you know, you could just throw mm. like a two or four terabyte SSD into the USB-C port and now that use that as storage. Um, that's definitely something that's going to be interesting. And let's talk about the looks. S5 <laughs> X, the X model, it looks so good. It's like all yeah. black. It's blacked out. And I'm like, why don't more companies do this? Give me something that's completely black all around. No colors, no other, no, no other accents. Just give me something that looks so stealthy. And this looks so, so good. I agree 100%. Uh, Panasonic, they they deserve a lot of props for, for not only the looks of the camera, introducing the new phase detection. This is what the people have been wanting, Gadget. This is this is what the people Look, want. I'm, I'm going to join the L-Mount Alliance in 2023. I, I'll say I that so. much. I think I'm going to join I, the Alliance, man. Do we get t-shirts? Do we get a hat? <laughs> I think I think honestly everybody who is looking for a good value camera needs to be looking at the S5 Mark II. 
How I mean, dare you say a, a, a nearly three thousand dollar camera is good? <laughs> hey, we, we got to preface this a little bit. We got to preface this a little bit. You know what I mean? I, th- you know what it is. I think this is the camera that if you if you're starting to get some traction with whatever you create, you yeah. create for a living. Uh, if you're making money, if it, if it's your weekend hustle kind of thing, I think that's when you start looking at this camera. Yeah, we're desensitized by all these like <laughs> freaking five thousand dollar Canon cameras that are rumored to come out, right, Gadgen? Yeah, and now it seems like that this is so inexpensive. I, I just think that anyone listening, if you if you're wondering, <laughs> hey, is this camera like, is it as good as people are react? Like, I'll tell you from our experience, it's impressive. It's really, really yeah. impressive, and I think it should be on your short list. Enough about Panasonic. They didn't pay mm. for any of this. Why are we talking about them so much? Let's talk about. <laughs> Our friends at Canon, uh, well, they didn't tell us anything. We're going to the rumor sites, you know, at the top <laughs> of the year uh, because there's something interesting. There's rumors of a Canon R8, okay? There's a Canon R8. So it's a little it's a little bit early because the rumors are kind of all over the place. So on one side, we're hearing that it's supposed to replace the Canon EOS R, you know, that first introduction to mirrorless Canon, and it's supposed to be like this... 30 megapixel full frame uh, uh, sensor on this body uh, with image stabilization, with 4K recording, no crop, and you know 4K 60 crop. Not a lot of details, and it seems pretty vague. And then a few weeks later, there's like another set of rumors that come out that this camera is actually going to have the same sensor as the EOS R10, an APS-C sensor. And it's going to do its flip screen a little bit differently. And it's just going to be a stopgap between, you know, the R10 and the R7. So when you're hearing this stuff, what are you thinking that this camera is going to be? If you hear the name EOS R8, what do you think this camera is going to be? Where where is your heart taking you? I'm a little bit confused because, like, I don't know. Is if this if these are the leaked specs and like that's it where's this camera going to be priced you know what i mean like i don't know I'd, this the, none of these specs are like really really stand out to me and maybe this is just like a really killer photo camera we don't have like the like we have 12 uh, we got we heard 12 frames per second mechanical but that's it i was watching a jared poland video talking about this he says this is fake news so i don't know jared poland he's 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 hooked up with the canon world so maybe this is like completely something that they just like released under the rug but like all of this could be a just a straight up lie. Could I have be, no could idea. be fake. Could be to throw <laughs> us off the scent. Could be designed exactly. to throw Good Morning Camera off the scent. I also thought that uh, we were supposed to be focusing on APS-C line, the the lineup of cameras. That's what I thought was happening in yeah. in the coming future. That's what Canon has been telling us that yeah. you know they're looking to build out that APS-C lineup. They've released all their high-end lenses and stuff. I don't know if it really makes sense to just release another full-frame camera that has like okay-ish specs like 4K uh, 60p cropped. Oh, that's, that's kind of depressing, but I mean who, I mean, who, who really knows? Who really knows? Like, none, this could all be fake. And I think yeah. the interesting thing here is that you don't see as much heat around the Canon world as there once was, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, when when, yeah. when that R5 was kind of bubbling, like, there was a lot of excitement there, right? And I wonder if that is by design in terms of, like, they are really just working extra hard to keep cards close to their chest. Or, yeah. you know... Is it something where maybe they're just not, you know, in a position right now, especially this year, 
to release and announce a ton of things. We'll see. I mean, if I hear the name EOS R8, my gut tells me it's probably going to be an APS-C camera sitting in between that R10, R7, make something a little bit more creator-focused, where that R10 might be something that's entry, that's more for the photographer, the R8 being something that's a little bit more creator-centric, a little bit more video-centric. That might appeal to someone that is looking to graduate into something that is like a daily driver to help them pump out content. So they don't need the crazy specs, right? Like 4K, 60, yeah. like even that is beyond them, right? That's what I feel. But I want to talk about something else. How do you feel about Canon in general going into 2023? <laughs> I, yeah, how do you feel well, about them in general? I I really need to see more APS-C cameras with higher bit rates for video because Canon keeps talking about how they want to focus on the content creator, the dual shooter creating both photo and video on like a daily basis. And that's kind of like their target demographic. They're want, they want to move away, not necessarily move away, but expand their customer base beyond the person who is just getting into photography. And to be honest, I'm going to say that if you are somebody who is just getting into photography, you should probably buy a Canon camera. They're super easy to use, the dual pixel autofocus, it's fantastic, Can but here's, here's where I have a problem with Canon. I think that they've been consistently giving us uh, very mediocre image quality in terms of like their cameras in the video kind of realm. Uh, so I need APS-C cameras that have higher megabits per second. I'm looking at the specs of the Canon R7 and like we're shooting 1080p at 60 frames per second, 35 megabits per second in one of their video formats. Like that's, that, you're, that equates to just blown out highlights all the time, no matter where you are, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I need, I need more in terms of like the video specs. Can to, I play devil's really advocate? Be... Can I play devil's advocate? Please. What you're please saying, do. what you're saying appeals to me. I would like to see it. If I'm on the other side of the aisle though, I'm like, the people that are buying this are not going to take advantage of that. Most people that are buying these things, especially at these price points, you know, can't afford that much storage. You know, can't be upgrading their hard drives all the time because they're shooting all this video. They probably don't have an editing pipeline that's going to take advantage of this stuff. Most of them mm -hmm. just want to shoot and get a great result in the moment and not really shoot in C-Log and do all this grading and all that kind of stuff. And I wonder, I wonder if Canon is willing to relinquish that sort of like hype factor, you know, on YouTube or who's... People are ranking things. They're telling you what to buy and what not to buy. If they're willing to relinquish all that noise and just focus on what the market is telling them. And when people walk into a store, when people go online and doing their research, they're like, you know, what is the right thing for me, for my price point? And here's the thing, like, you're right. They are easy to use. The color mm -hmm. is really good at a camera. And their autofocus is often reliable enough. So when you have those things, the average consumer is going to look at it and be like, well... You know, I bought this Sony on from this YouTube thing and like this person that recommended it, and I it's kind of confusing. I don't know how to take advantage of all these things. And, you know, I see someone else using a Canon. It's so easy and the result looks so good right <laughs> out of camera. I've heard that story so many times. So, 100%. you know, if I'm looking at their, their, their sort of like lineup going into the new year, I would like to see them introduce two options here. Give us this APSC creator centric solution that is aggressively priced 
and designed mm -hmm. to get creators up and running faster. It's pretty vague, but I think that's sort of, they, they need that sort of like Sony ZV-1 kind of camera. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's like aggressively priced, really good suite of features. You have the Sony differentiating features and it's designed for that creator community, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, like I, th I think it's still early for an R5 Mark II upgrade because that camera was announced in 2020 and it's still a beast of a camera. Like as much as people are going <laughs> to clamor for, hey, we want a new version, it's still a beast of a camera. Um, I would actually genuinely love to see something that kind of uh, is more video centric and sits mm -hmm. around the R5 price point. So you have that R5C, right? Which is like that cinema centric thing. Can we get an R6C? Can we get something yeah. that's like a stop below I that agree. isn't about high resolution? It's more about like, give me the best 4K possible, oversampled, Absolutely. no crop, that kind of thing. I, I would love to see something like that where it is for that YouTuber that is making money, that content creator that is making money, that independent filmmaker, that wedding cinematographer, like those kinds of people where the R5C is still too much of a jump in price. Like, give me something below that where we relinquish resolution and it's more about image quality. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, and what's funny is like, I'm looking around my room right now and I've got like a bunch of photos hung up around my office here. And uh, like majority of them are from, taken with a Canon M50. <laughs> so, so like that just goes to show you, like they are phenomenal cameras, but I agree 100% with what you're saying, Gadget. They need to focus more on the video and give us more like B cam options that are fairly affordable, but that can can compete with something uh, and kind of hold their own against uh, something like an R, uh, R5C. That would be absolutely perfect because yeah. nowadays it's every camera is good at taking pictures. It's just really what are the video What do specs? I always say, Anthony? Most cameras are better than most creators. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, there you go. And here's the thing, Gadget. Uh, it's becoming more and more easier to just create crazy looking photography and i saw a video of a guy on instagram using ai to paint a picture of this like lake and a forest and he was literally using this brush to paint in a forest around a lake and it was actually ai helping him to create this image and ultimately he did have control over like what he didn't like and what he did like but it was ai painting in this bush on top of like the the lake and it was a really cool process to watch so i want to talk ai art here for a second where do you stand on this and what do you think is coming in the future with ai and photography i find the technology of ai and what it's doing with you know uh imagery with photography with painting what it's doing with even like chat GPT, like what they're doing with text, being able to have this thing create scripts and presentations for you and all this kind of stuff. I find that so fascinating. I find that it's going to be this inflection point for, uh, for ideation, for creativity, where I think right now people are all about like creating these, you know, new Instagram pictures, creating all mm -hmm. these new visuals and posting those things. I find that part boring. And, and, and the thing is, 
you start to see that they all look and feel the same. Like everyone's trying to take this retro future punk kind of aesthetic where they take something old and make it look like it's futuristic and they kind of combine these ideologies and you're seeing this flood Instagram and you're seeing people make new <laughs> profile pictures of themselves. And I find that largely kind of boring because everyone's doing the same thing and you're just like, oh, cool. It's like HDR in 2010, right? Where everyone was trying to do these hyper <laughs> HDR photos and it was just sickening. It was sickening. I don't think this is sickening yet, but it's getting quite close to it. Do you think this is going to make somebody less creative with this? Because like when things become easier, do you think it's going to make somebody less creative and like less reliant on their own so, creative abilities? This is what I was getting to. I think AI in photography and visuals in general, I think the two parts that I find fascinating is one, how can it speed up your existing workflow? And two, how can it spark new ideas? I think that's the interesting part. So I'll give you an example. I, I saw, I'm following what was one AI artist who's doing all these things. And they're taking these sort of like old school uh, South Asian aesthetics and then creating mm. new imagery, imagery out of it. it. And it looks interesting because it's like there are these photos that like our street photography photos that look like they're from the 40s, the 30s based in South Asia, but they're in color and they never would have been able to have been captured like that, right? And I think that's fascinating because like imagine that is your mood boarding tool. Imagine mm -hmm. that is what you use to create your mood board and then you go and create a photo, a photograph out of it or, or an editorial mm -hmm. out of it. I think that application is fascinating to me. And again, like that's my bias. I'm not saying that's the way to do it, but I think that's more interesting where you're using AI to accelerate new ideas and then you're executing it as an artist and bringing it to life, right? And then the other thing is like when you're using AI tools in programs for video editing, for audio uh, uh, editing, that kind of stuff is going to be crazy. Like imagine like, like they already exist, but imagine it getting better where you can just hit one plugin and all of a sudden it just isolates your voice, cuts everything out. Adobe already released a tool online that you can do this, right? But this sort of accessibility is going to be insane because that means that any creator at any level can go and just use any microphone, even their iPhone, for example, right? And mm -hmm. get good audio. And if you have a really good microphone, you're going to get even better. Like, it just, it is crazy where that is going. And that's what I'm excited for. I love when people say, like, photography is so easy now. So, like, everybody's a photographer. But what, <laughs> what they don't understand is, like, yeah, photography is a lot easier now than it ever has been. But that only should worry average photographers. Like, they should be worried because it becomes easier to actually, like, take a picture. But now we see people like you and I, Gajan, we focus on, like, the 15 details to enhance the image that we're seeing through our lens, right? But with, like, something like this, this is like a, this is like a, a photography assist program where, like, I, I see this as somebody using this to create, uh, to get inspiration to create something larger. And that's the yeah. kind of, I feel like you're on the same kind of path there. But yeah. what's so funny is when like, uh, when everything moved over to digital photography, it, uh, it actually carved out 
a path for those niche photographers who wanted to stay with um, with like film. And I was listening to this one chat. Uh, it was like a wedding photographer, uh, and she car charges like crazy high prices for uh, wedding photography because she shoots the whole wedding on film while mm. everybody is shooting with digital these days and it's just like super easy right so i think this allows people to stand out and like i said use this as a tool to create the inspiration to then go out and like take like the big projects that they actually want to take so that's an interesting conversation i'm really glad you actually uh, included that in the in the show notes but yeah, yeah i mean overall I, i'm excited i'm excited i'm excited let me just say like i'm excited i don't want to sound like a downer here i'm excited uh but <laughs> just please please guys like Calm down with the AI art, all right? Like, you're not Picasso all of a sudden just because you've been able to type five words into a search engine. Uh, let's go creator draft picks, Gadgen. Uh, I got a pretty interesting one. You want me to start? Yeah, start it off. Start off the okay. new year. So uh, lately I've been doing a whole bunch of research. Uh, I'm. It's part of my job to train some of the staff uh, on the new products that we get in store. And one of the new products that I've been looking into is the Elgato Stream Deck Mark II. So this is a physical switcher-like device. It's used for like live streaming. It's more marketing to like the gamer, but I could also see this being super useful if you like live stream a podcast or something like that. I wanted to include this as my creator graphic simply because of this one feature and it's called a multi-action button that you can set up. So all you do is like you press a button and then like multiple things happen while you're live streaming and it does it like automatically, right? So if you and I were live streaming the Good Morning Camera podcast and I said something like Panasonic is, uh, in three years, Panasonic is gonna be the best camera manufacturer out there. Gadget goes, oh snap, that is a bomb he presses the multi-action button and now it takes the last 15 seconds of our live stream brings it into an editing software cuts it into an instagram reel or like a small little video clip and then brings it over to twitter with a predetermined like little message that says like hey we're live recording the good morning camera podcast and we just dropped a bomb or something like that and then it shows the clip of me saying Panasonic is going to be the best. That sounds uh, insane. Also, it's nuts. me having automatic tweets saying that I dropped a bomb is is probably not good for my safety. It's probably not <laughs> good for my personal privacy. I, I, but that's crazy. That's crazy. It's nuts. I was like, holy smokes, this is actually nuts. Uh, and it's all on this very, very small little switching device. It looks like a, a video switcher that you'd see, uh, like one of the smaller road ones. Uh, but you can pre-program all the buttons to do so many different things. Uh, it does nothing and everything all at the same time. It's only limited to your own creativity. So I thought it was really interesting. And if you're a live streamer, you should definitely check something out, like something wow. like this out. That's impressive, man. That's impressive. I got to look more into that. My pick, I could have picked something incredibly expensive. I decided not to. I decided not to. I thought, you know, the friends of the good morning camera, let me introduce something that you could pick up right now, really affordable. And that is a book. It is a book called Segregation Story by Gordon Parks. It is Gordon Parks, phenomenal, legendary photographer. He did a story for Life magazine back in 1956, I want to say, um, just documenting the South and documenting segregation and just documenting, you know, how the black community existed amongst the white community back then. And these photos, they were floating around the web and you could see them and there were previous prints of them. But I was just, you know, for many years, I was just like, 
man, how can I get a book of this? Like there was other versions of books. Well, turns out the Gordon Parks Foundation actually put together a book, released it late last year. It's called Segregation Story by Gordon Parks. And I think everyone, if you are a portrait photographer, if you are a street photographer, if, if you take photographs of people, like that's your thing. Um, and even if you're doing video, you know, I, I think this is a book worth investing in and having in your collection. I don't think it's going to be available for long, but just some of the imagery that you're seeing in here, you know, like the, the only way you might even get close to it is maybe through AI. And let me tell you, it's not even going to be close to as good as what this is. These are some real powerful images uh, uh, from just these poignant moments in time that don't exist anywhere else. So that is my recommendation. I'm not going to over-recommend it. I just, I'm just telling you, get it while you still can. It's called Segregation Story by Gordon Parks. That's my recommendation. Yeah, I'm looking up a couple images right now, and these are actually nuts. This is, uh, this is like if Vivian Meyer focused on like race and, and capturing those moments in time that you would just like look back on and think like, oh my gosh, how did we ever, how yeah. did we get to that point? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, it's, that's nuts. It's, Powerful this stuff, man. Powerful stuff, this is man. Great. That's it. That's our first episode of 2023. Mm. Yeah, no issues. We got it out. No issues. We hit Time. the record button. It seems like we're fine. Time flies when you're having fun, man. There it's, you go. It's over. It's there it. There you go. As always, <laughs> look, uh, we appreciate you. Yes, you listening to the show. And if you really enjoy the show, please do leave us a review on iTunes because it helps the show grow. We had a nice little inflection point at the end of the year. So tell your camera friends about the show. If you think they're into cameras and the camera world, I think they'd enjoy the show as well. So share this with your friends. As always, my name's Gadget. His name's Anthony. And we'll see you next time. See ya.